Hey, I'm Amelia, and I'll be reading the Bible tonight. We're reading two passages. The first one's from Galatians 3, 28 to 29, and the second one's from Romans 12, verse 13. Galatians 3, 28 to 29. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. And Romans 12, verse 13. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Thanks, Amelia. Uh, G'day again, everyone. Um, It is good to be here. Um, If you haven't met me yet, my name's Ken. I'm one of the pastors here at WBC. And last week, we began a new three-week series called It's Not Personal. Now, obviously, you can take that statement a lot of different ways. But as we saw last week, if you were here, The intention is to emphasise that our faith in Jesus is not restricted to a relationship between us and God, as some people call it, the vertical relationship. The moment that we become a Christian, we are instantly connected to others, whether we like it or not. We become a part of a new community, the Christian community, what the Bible calls the church. We were challenged to consider The fact that we belong to each other and therefore we need to honour the fact that we belong to each other. Today we're going to think further about some particular ways that we can do that in practice. Amelia's read some short passages. Some people think that that means that it'll be a very long sermon, but we'll see what happens. Let's pray asking for God's help uh, to both understand this and to live it out. Let's pray. Our created God, we thank you that you have made us for relationship, relationship with you and relationship with others. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus who enables us to be back in right relationship with you and also with others. And so as we think about this issue of hospitality, what it looks like, how to honour one another by being hospitable, uh, we pray that you'd be not only enabling us to understand it, but that you would work in us so that we would put this into practice to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our world is more divided than ever before. Pick a category, politics, sport, religion. They all provide opportunities, great opportunities, for people to disagree. I like Mac. You might like Windows. You shop at Coles. I only shop at Woolworths. Some want more refugees coming into Australia. Others want less. My tribe follows the science. Yours denies it. For every belief or product, experience or style, there seems to be equally passionate but opposite opinions. Polarised opposition attack each other online, through the media and even in real life. If you've ever watched the TV show Q&A, Consensus is not an adjective that you would use to describe the combatants. I mean guess. But, but Google the statement that our world is more divided than ever before and you'll find there's further controversy. Some suggest the exact opposite, that we have never had more consensus and the perceived increase in polarisation is because the more we agree the more intolerant we become of the differences that still remain. Rob Winberg is a Dutch uh, author, news editor. 
He provides fascinating evidence to suggest that we are getting more and more worked up about less and less. Now, I have no idea in the end who is right, and I don't think it ultimately matters because whether there is the same amount of disagreement, less or more, the bigger question that we need to face is how are we at WBC going to respond to differences? How are we going to respond to differences when we meet them? In the church, we will meet people who look different to us, who think differently, who behave differently. When we do, how are we going to react? How does the Bible say that we should react? Will differences cause us to separate like oil and water? Or will they lead to attraction like north and south poles of a magnet? As a brief first point, I think we need to first of all acknowledge division exists. There are some differences which separate those who are in the Christian community from those who are not. While some people want to minimise or deny any differences to completely level the playing field, that's neither sensible, desirable or honest. This series on community assumes that there are differences and some of those differences rightly divide. If someone rejects their need for Jesus, we will still definitely welcome them, love them, interact with them, but they are not part of the Christian community in the full sense of membership. Even if someone has been at church for many, many years, that doesn't automatically mean that they have trusted in Jesus and therefore are in. Galatians chapter 3 verses 28 and 29 say, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, focusing on the last verse first, it says, if you belong to Christ, meaning that not everybody does belong to Christ. Or in the words of the earlier verse, verse 28, not all are in Christ. And so to clarify, this series is not saying that every single person is automatically a member of the Christian community just because they're part of the human race. Even at church, there are some who are followers of Jesus and others who are not. Jesus told us to expect this. If someone claims to be a Christian and yet insists that there are alternate ways to be saved instead of Jesus' death and resurrection on our behalf, then it is right and necessary to not let that person lead a home group. Some division is necessary and helpful for us to acknowledge. Now, under this same point, it's also worth saying that while it's true that all those in Christ are part of one body, what has sometimes been called the universal church, God also places us in local churches. That there are multiple churches in Wollongong is taken by some to be evidence of bad division. Now is not the time to go into all the reasons, both good and bad, that we have different denominations. But there is evidence, even in the early church, that there was more than one group meeting in one location. While we are one with all of our Christian sisters and brothers, both here in other churches in Wollongong and around the world, there is great wisdom in being a part 
of a local church, of committing to one group of people. Much of what the Bible has to say about Christians relating to each other has the local church as the primary place of where those relationships take place. And for the sake of this series, that is going to be our ongoing emphasis. Forcing us to live out what the Bible says with real people that we don't always get along with means that this stuff can't stay theoretical. It must become real. As I said, you may not like who God has connected you with, but he has done it for a reason. Make the most of it. Now, these are important distinctions to make because unless they're acknowledged, they seem to contradict the very points that we are going to focus on. But having shown some valid reasons for distinction, we can get on to what is our main focus, that other distinctions simply do not matter. How are we at WBC going to respond to differences? Well, point two, we won't use them as a criteria for acceptance into the community. We just won't use differences to separate. What Galatians 3 makes very clear is that membership of the Christian community does not require you to be a particular nationality. Membership doesn't demand a, a specific particular social status, doesn't require a, a certain gender. If we allow these distinctives to determine whether someone is in or out, accepted or rejected, it is blatantly wrong, a denial of the gospel. The gospel says that God welcomes anyone willing to acknowledge their need. And so if God welcomes all who repent, then so must we. If you read these verses in their wider context, it becomes clear that it is not only these three issues of race, social standing and sex that are irrelevant to inclusion in the community, your, your height or weight or any other physical feature, your education level, your occupation, how much money you have in your bank or your, your political leanings. None of these issues is a requirement to be allowed entry into the Christian community. The only thing that counts is our inclusion in Christ. If you have recognised your inability to save yourself and have trusted in Jesus, then you are accepted. And so the church has no right to expect changes of behaviour in order to become members. People don't need to fix their lives before joining the church. Now, if you haven't read Rosaria Butterfield's story, and this is a book that is definitely worth buying and reading, probably reading over and over. Her turning to Jesus is such a beautiful story of a Christian community welcoming in someone who was very, very different to themselves. They didn't demand changes, but with loving hospitality, drew her in and that exposed her to her need for Jesus. Everyone who reads her books after she became a Christian, she's written a number of books, is challenged by statements like this one. Hospitality is about meeting the stranger and welcoming that stranger to become a neighbour and then knowing that neighbour well enough that if by God's power he allows for this, that neighbour becomes part of the family of God through repentance and belief. It, hospitality, has nothing to do with entertainment. 
It has nothing to do with entertainment. Now, community drew Rosaria in, and now she is a major blessing to her community and the much, much wider Christian community. It also needs to be said that after becoming a Christian, after joining the Christian community, we won't all develop identical thoughts on every issue. People will continue to mix at different levels of society. People will have different occupations. Our oneness in Christ does not make us clones. Our unity, Christian unity in diversity, makes Christian unity unique. Now, most of you know I happily hang out with other bike riders because we all have something in common, something that unites us, our our love of bike riding. Last night, I joined the community of Ash Barty supporters, the proud Australian sports fan. But Christians don't necessarily all like the same sport. Some like Ash, some don't like Nick. Uh, They don't necessarily like the same type of movie. They don't necessarily cheer the same politician. We won't have all come to the same conclusions on the environment or COVID, and yet we are one in a much more important way because our oneness in Jesus is the determining category, which I think means that we have some questions to answer. Are there times when we have wrongly demanded others to change to become more like us, to think the way that we do on a particular issue? Have we communicated, whether in words or by our actions, by our attitudes, expectations of behaviour or dress code, about smoking or drinking or way of speaking as if it was needed before somebody could come along to our church? Have we allowed differences to divide rather than seeing it as a richness of diversity that God has intentionally put into his church? The fact that we can all come from such different backgrounds, like and believe such different things, and we're still one is something to celebrate. How are we at WBC going to respond to differences? Well, we won't use them as a criteria for acceptance into our community. Point three is that these differences will motivate us to be hospitable. The whole idea of a holy huddle, of bunkering down with people that think the same way that we do, is the complete opposite of what the gospel should result in. The Christian community must be perpetually open to more people being included in it. More than that, to be actively seeking for more people to be brought into the community. Not increase in numbers for the sake of growth or, or something to take pride in for how good a church we are at increasing numbers. No, to be in Christian community is to be saved from death. And we want everybody possible to be transferred from death to life, from darkness to light, from being not a people to being the people of God. And so one of the most important jobs at church is being on the lookout for new people. Romans chapter 12, verse 13, was read earlier. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. 
Now, notice firstly what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that this instruction applies to the few that are naturally gifted at it, those whose personalities make hospitality easy, those who enjoy small talk or can talk the leg off a chair. If you go back later and look at verses 6 to 8 of Romans 12, Paul makes very clear that all Christians are gifted in different ways, different things, serving, leading, encouraging. Some roles are set apart for certain people. But when it comes to hospitality, it simply says practice hospitality. This requirement is for all, no matter what situation we find ourselves in at the moment. You don't have to have your own place with the best facilities before you invite people over to your neat-as-a-pin Instagram-worthy house. Hospitality can mean having people over for a meal or, or even inviting people to stay in the guest room. But it also means going out for a meal or simply inviting somebody into a conversation. As Rosaria summarised, hospitality is welcoming the outsider. Often it does involve homes and food, and I've been on the receiving end of great hospitality. But don't bemoan the fact that your dining table is too small or your flatmates don't allow you to have friends over. Rejoice that Wollongong has Chico's <laughs> and nobody is going to turn down an invite to grab a burger and eat it by the beach. There may be a hundred things that you feel you can't do, but surely there is one that you can. Invite someone to go for a bushwalk with you. Share some veggies from your garden. Offer to help out in some practical way. Make the stranger a neighbour. I think hospitality is only as limited as our imaginations and probably even more so by our willingness. While hospitality can mean to invite people into our lives outside of this church building, one of the places that we can all practice hospitality is right here. While this place, this building we meet in, may be comfortable to you, my guess is that it probably isn't to anyone who is new. I remember very, very clearly when I was a teenager, so it must have made quite an impact because it was some time ago, I, I thought that I could share the gospel with some Mormons by letting them come into my house and running through their spiel. Having heard them out over a number of weeks, I believe that I would then have the opportunity to convince them of grace. After we had met a few times, I, I even agreed to go to one of their meetings called a fireside. I met up with two guys about my age. Uh, we went, caught a train into the city, and we sat together in this meeting room in a building about this size. Having grown up at one church and going along to it weekly since I was a tiny little kid, it was a massive shock to be in a new room with nobody that I knew. The two guys that I went along there with quickly deserted me to go off and talk with their friends. I didn't have a clue what was coming next. I didn't know when I should sit or when I should stand. Didn't know how long this thing was going to last. And I could not wait to get outside the doors. It made me realise just how uncomfortable a place churches can be. And again, I think this passage means that it is our responsibility to minimise that experience for anyone who walks through those doors. 
did you realise that you can all have a ministry just by making it a priority to be here week by week so that you are a familiar face? Even better, be here weekly and instead of immediately going off and chatting with your friends, look around first to see if there is someone you haven't spoken to before, whether they're new to church or just new to you. Saying, hi, I don't think we've met before, could be the difference between someone coming back to church or having affirmed that this group of Christians is no different and doesn't really care for me either. Most of us love routine, and many of us find meeting new people or people that we should know by now tricky. But shyness or discomfort does not justify us not connecting, going out of our comfort zone to talk to people. Some friends of mine were thinking about leaving the church that they were part of because no one came up to them after church and asked them how they were doing. No one invited them out for meals. They felt like they weren't a part of the inner circle, whatever that is. God challenged them that rather than expect others to do that for them, why don't they do it for others? It transformed completely their experience of church. Though they were going out of their way to care for others, they, they found that through their efforts, God gave them a whole bunch of new friends, enjoyable roles, and it grew their relationship with him. Now, please don't hear this as a promise that practising hospitality is easy or results are guaranteed to come quickly. There are seasons when you will have less capacity and need to be much more on the receiving end than the giving. But as members of a church community, we need to evaluate why we are here. Are we here waiting for others to connect with us or are we seeking to connect with others? One of the practical issues that I think contributes to people's hesitation is that none of us like to appear silly. If I tap the person in front of me on the shoulder after the service is finished and ask, are you new here? And they say, no, I've been coming along for about 45 years. (laughs) Well, we feel silly. And so just because of the danger, we avoid having the conversation or we, we simply wave and smile, keeping it all safely superficial. Maybe you've had a conversation with someone, but you you can't remember what their name is. Hopefully they're wearing a name tag and you can sneak a glance. That's what I do. But even if they're not, it is much better to forget someone's name and still strike up a conversation than to just smile and nod just to avoid embarrassing yourself. It would be absolutely fantastic if WBC in 2022 becomes a place where we are all willing to swallow our pride and talk to whoever we meet, that people would go out of their way to meet and have conversations with people that they wouldn't normally talk to at church. Just imagine if lots of us got here early, that's before (laughs) 6.05, to go out there and chat in the foyer And then after that, move in here and sit with people that are new, that we would go out for coffee and have meals with people during the week, that our homes would be open. Australians are renowned at helping when there is a crisis, an obvious crisis, a flood, a bushfire, some other natural disaster. But we are not so good at the day-to-day ongoing looking out for someone who is not already part of our community 
The church, our church here in Wollongong, faces the constant danger of becoming fractured by differences. Let's instead use our differences as an opportunity to move towards others as a tangible expression of God's love. Are we at WBC more like oil and water or south and north poles of a magnet? Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you reached out to us when we were still in active rebellion against you. Thank you that you have shown us the way, that you have made the way for us to be in relationship with you. And there's a pattern established there for us as your followers, those who have been saved by Jesus, that we need to be constantly looking out for the other. And so we pray that you would enable us to get over our pride, get over ourselves and actually get out there and talk to people, welcome them in. It's not only a benefit to them, it will be an incredible benefit for us. So that we pray that you would change us, enable us to do this, not just to say it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.